Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce to you Don Hernandez, who is the CEO of Enlight, which is helping others help themselves one day at a time. And boy, could we all use a little bit of that. Welcome, Don. Well, thank you, Heidi. Thank you for inviting me to the show. My pleasure. When we got to speaking, I just, you know, I was really excited about what you guys are doing over at Enlight. And I just think it's so important for us to understand the potential that technology has for exactly that, helping others help themselves and really empowering people to do better self-care. Can you tell us a little bit, our audience, a little bit about what is Enlight and how did it come about and what's the story behind there? Sure, exactly. So Enlight is a platform designed to provide a stigma-free buddy in your pocket because we deal with what we call the fearsome four and several more. The fearsome four are stress, anxiety, depression, and addiction, and several more are self-harm, suicidal ideation, and PTSD. So the challenge with many people in the workforce and outside the workforce is there's so much stigma attached to these issues that over 90% of the people that need help do not get it. And there are a variety of reasons. Stigma is one, out-of-pocket expense is another. So we've created this platform for individuals that need help. And one of the core principles of the company is that anyone that needs help gets it absolutely free of charge and gets something of substantial value. But we also sell to enterprises, treatment facilities, hospitals for a variety of reasons as well. But it's really designed to get us through these complex times, which are not getting easier, by providing that stigma-free buddy-in-your-pocket type solution. We started off at the Central Institute for Mental Health in Mannheim, Germany. I was over there doing some work with the facility on the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning to reduce relapse rates in people suffering from addiction, which is the layman's term. Substance use disorder is a clinical term, or SUD. And I'll use the two interchangeably. I I spent six weeks there learning exactly what they do, and I worked with the two head doctors at the clinic and the hospital there to figure out a way to make something very practical based on solid cognitive behavioral therapy principles that we could enhance with some other things to provide a holistic solution to help treatment facilities and to help individuals. So the problem that treatment facilities have is that when someone leaves therapy, they have no visibility into what's happening until they read about a suicide in the paper, worst case, or they come back for relapse, or in a very unusual case, they're absolutely fine. And I say this because it's true. Relapse rates for people suffering from addiction are between 60 and 85% within the first three months. And it doesn't get any better long-term. So that's kind of how we started in Germany. I moved to Seattle to build this company over here. And Seattle I picked because uh, it's gorgeous here, in spite of the rainy reputation it's got. And it's also the global epicenter for data scientists and machine learning engineers, both of which are a big part of our platform. So it wasn't because of the gloomy weather and high depression rates? Oh, no, not at all. You can find (laughs) gloomy weather just about anywhere. I grew up in Florida, and this is a horrible time to be there. It's just uh, hot and muggy. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. People correlate those two, but they're not necessarily related. And I think, you know, living in Sweden and having suffering from SAD, I think we, we tend to jump to conclusions about that. But 
Anyway, we won't go into that. That's not really what it's about. And right. I'm really excited about what you're doing because I think it is so critical. And the whole conversation about mental health and support for self-care and really understanding what tools are out there because there have been stigmas in the past. And I think there still are quite a lot of stigmas. What's your, you know, what's your best path in terms of getting people to be aware that these tools are available and getting access? Well, we're actually just getting started on the marketing front and pumping it out there. We've done a lot of uh, testing in a closed iteration of 190 people. 13 of those are psychologists and neuroscientists. About 20 to 25 are people that are suffering from addiction or depression and self-harm. And uh, the rest are lay people like ourselves, which, you know, when we talk about the fearsome four, stress, anxiety, depression, you know, we've all got those occasionally. As a chief revenue officer, and when that multi-million dollar deal walks out at the end of the quarter, that's depression. <laughs> and you, anxiety leads up to the end of the quarter because you know it all is about that one big deal, the, the, the white elephant in the room that you've got to deal with. So we all live with these on a daily basis, and they're, they're taking a toll. So that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. And that's how we do what we do. So we're just starting to push right now. We're on the third iteration after user validation, like I said, from clinical professionals, lay people, and people that are suffering from SUD or addiction. And we've also got the fourth version ready to go. It's just uh, the difference between version three, which is actually 1.6, and version four, which will be 1.0 with a new name is we hired UX experts to come in and do it because the version now available easily on the app stores, Android and Apple have been designed by psychiatrists, neuroscientists and not UX experts. So we've completely revamped everything and it's just really, really nice. So I would encourage everyone to go find it under the app store, E-N-L-Y-T-E. It's absolutely free and uh, check out some of the things we got in there. I love that. And I think, you know, it's important for those of you out there that are listening, as Don mentioned, we all have moments that trigger us, whether you are, you know, you don't have to be clinically depressed to be able to take advantage of tools like this. And it just helps you understand what's going on with your psychological health, which is a very big part of your physical well-being, your mental well-being, and, and that's also integrated. And I would imagine there's probably opportunities to give you guys feedback and help you sort of grow the tool in a really positive way that suits a larger audience. Is that correct? Absolutely. Feedback. We love feedback. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a product good. And uh, that's what makes a product great. And we're looking for a great solution, a great product. And one of the difference between us and other people out there doing this, so there's an evolving market called digital therapeutics, and it's especially relevant for mental health. And we're HIPAA compliant. We're in the process of going through FDA class one, class two approval as a medical device. But there are a lot of applications out there that deal with meditation, which is fantastic. Been scientifically validated again and again, just to help overall well-being. We have a sleep tracker integrated as well. Once again, scientifically validated. And then we have a couple of other things that we add as well. So we start the day in this difficult time in the divided world that we live in. It's sometimes difficult to think of things to be thankful for. So we suggest to start off by thinking of three things that you're grateful for and three things that would make your day better every day. And then we suggest a little bit of meditation. And then what we have is a patent pending technology called binaural beats and subliminal affirmations. And this is really, really neat. So what it means is we put a different frequency in each ear and your brain creates an illusion in the middle and we can induce a brain state in two and a half minutes. 
So there are five brain states, and the one that is free with the app is theta, and that's conducive with calm, relaxation, peace of mind, easygoing, because that's what people that you know are stressed and anxious about could use the most. And that goes back to our core principle, something of significant value, free of charge. Now, on top of inducing a brain state, we pump subliminal affirmations into your subconscious mind that bypass your conscious mind, which may reject them. I am a good person. I love life. Things like this. All designed by neuroscientists, and you, you can't hear any of it. So it, it is, that is one thing that we're especially proud of. Most of the people that I know use it all the time. Generally, we'll start our day with theta for a little bit of meditation. We'll go to gamma for peak performance, rapid memory recall, innovation. So high performance in the daytime. And then delta is perfect for going to sleep because it is for deep dreamless sleep. And everyone that I talk to, they're like, wow, these tracks are 20 minutes long. And delta is just about guaranteed to knock you out by the 20 minute mark is done. So. Well, I won't ask you anything about Delta in terms of actually demonstrating because probably some of our listeners are actually listening while they're driving a vehicle. But is it possible (laughs) for them to hear a little bit example of what you're talking about? I mean, I think this is fascinating. And it's, you know, the whole idea of resonance and how sound responds with your body and your brain is just an area that I think is, you know, we're really just starting to understand the potential for it. Is there a little piece that you could maybe play for us so we get? I can certainly do that. To give, and I'll, I'll actually do it a little bit better. I'll take you on the journey that we went through because we have three to four neuroscientists and psychologists working on our team at any given time. And it's a reverse democracy. So that means if three say yes, this is good, and one says no, then it's a no and we go back to the drawing board. So the thought from the neuroscientists was that if we tried to mask the beats. So there's one beat in each ear. So they're called mineral beats. The brain creates a binaural beat in the middle. We tried to mask that it would reduce the effectiveness. But most people said they would rather jump out of the window than listen to a binaural beat pure, which is counterproductive. So I'm going to have to unplug this headset a little bit so that you can hear. So you, my voice will be different, but you'll hear the waves. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Okay. So let's say the binaural beats sound like unmasked. So then we tried it with white noise, and it sounded like this, which, frankly, I thought was even worse. Ouch! (laughs) And this is what we ended up with. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, like I said, a three-month journey. And mm-hmm. what you get there is it, it's completely masked. And what we found out after, after a lot of research, it's not the masking that reduces the effectiveness at all, but compression. Mm-hmm. So you may see websites that say they have binaural beats and subliminal affirmations. So once again, these are 20-minute files, and it's not a typical Apple tune download of 3.5 megabytes. These are 220 megabytes per file. And we found that we cannot compress that. So there are three warnings that we have when you sign up for binaural beats. One is that you cannot be over six months pregnant because it could induce labor. Two, you cannot be epileptic because it could induce a seizure. And three, be on Wi-Fi, not on your data plan. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you may have a seizure when you get your phone bill at the end of the month. So, <laughs> But we've got a full media library. And uh, you, can, <laughs> you can download them once on your phone, connect to Wi-Fi, and download them in there, there forever. And the theta brain state, once again, peace, relaxation is absolutely free of charge with the app. 
along with everything else that we talked about, the gratitude journal, uh, meditation, and the two main components of cognitive behavioral therapy are mood and activity tracking Mm -hmm. to determine correlations between what you do and how you feel, which may seem like it's self-explanatory, but it's not always. In fact, it's often not. And then on top of that, it's just all about mindfulness. It's really paying attention to things. When you go into addiction, there's another group as well, which is triggers to consume, cravings to consume, how intense were they, and then consumption itself. Did you consume or did you not? And then we take all these together. The algorithms will map against national databases, international databases, and based on deviations in behavior, we can proactively alert you if there's a danger of you slipping into a mentally degraded mode, which is a, a way of saying a place you don't want to be, not, not a space to be in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what we try to do is encourage people to be in a good spot, a good space, make people more happy and productive. Because these things that we talk about, especially addiction, they destroy individuals. It, well, it destroys individuals, it destroys families, and it degrades the performance of entire societies because of the productivity loss, which is between the National Safety Council in the U.S. and the World Health Organization is estimated to cost companies around the world over $1 trillion a year. And in the U.S. alone, over $560 billion a year. So, Not jump change. That's a lot of money. Not jump change. A lot of money. So companies are, are uh, suffering and paying the price. And the National Safety Council has an addiction calculator on their website. So a hypothetical example, a 2,000-person IT company in New York will lose $1.7 million a year due to addiction alone. And these are primarily through absenteeism, turnover and replacement costs, and increased healthcare premiums, which, by the way, are doubling mental health care premiums are doubling at the rate of physical health care premiums every year. So mental health is something that people are finally being able to concentrate on. And I don't want to say I thank the opioid crisis for that because that would be a horrible thing to say. But, you know, there's always a silver lining, right? And the silver lining of the opioid crisis, in spite of a lot of people dying, is that it has raised awareness to what addiction really is. Mm-hmm. And it's reducing the stigma attached to it. Yeah, There's a parity act that means that every, in the US, mental health issues need to be treated like physical health issues as a chronic illness. And it's not universally enforced, but there's just been a resolution passed that it will be. So, and that is unfortunately, thanks to the opioid epidemic. It's sad that it took something so devastating to raise the mind. And it's easy to understand why, because- An opioid is pretty much the same as heroin, but it's when prescribed by a doctor, it's different. Mm -hmm. So, and so therefore society blames big pharma and the government for the opioid epidemic. But if you use heroin, that's a personal failing, even though it's exactly the same kind of medication. One is a lot riskier because you get it on the streets. And, uh, but what, what's happening now is you've got grandmas and grandpas that have been, become addicted to prescription opioids. They're being cut off now. And they are actually going to the streets to buy heroin. It's, it's wow. absolutely horrible. But just to put things in perspective in terms of addiction, the opioid epidemic last year, I think, would be seventy to 90,000 deaths, depending on the sources and who you talk to. Nicotine, not a lot of stigma there, you know, more and more, 400,000. So if you keep things in perspective, 400,000 you know, versus a, a, a vastly lower number, and uh, alcohol is kind of in between, more on the opioid side, 80,000 deaths in the U.S. alone to alcohol, not including those like drunk driving and things like that. So it po- probably pops up to 120. Mm-hmm. So you got 400,000, 120,000, and then 70,000. But the 70,000, it's tragic. It's unfortunate. But once again, if you look for 
the glass half full. It's done good for the awareness of the problem and the willingness to fix it. So, Absolutely. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes is just yeah. extreme, you know, sort of acute, we've got to fix this or we're, you know, sort of cataclysmic, but... Yeah, so I think it's it's wonderful what you guys are doing, and I think that th those are some very scary statistics. And of course, those don't even include the whole concept of presenteeism, where people are showing up, and you know they're sort of physically there, but they're checked out, and so they <laughs> are you know causing other problems within organizations and everywhere else, and you know even just in terms of human relations and the type of connections that they're making with people. So to be able to actually, you know, find solutions for that. I'm curious in terms of sort of awareness that you even have an issue or when you're, you know, when you're asking people to work with a, an app or a device that's asking you to say how you are feeling or, you know, do people improve over time in terms of their accuracy of reporting, self-reporting? Because it's very subjective. So I'm curious sort of whether you've seen a change in that over time with people that are using the app in terms of, you know, are they reporting more accurately the more they use it because they're developing more of an awareness of what's going on versus in the beginning, maybe they're saying, I'm fine. And yet their heart rate and various other physiological factors are reporting something else that's contrary to that. Yes, and absolutely. We're seeing a market improvement. We're still going through the FDA approval process requires double blind tests, placebo effects and all that. So we're still going through that and collecting data. So I won't give you any of the results specifically that we've seen, but anecdotal evidence points to the fact that an initial objective evidence points to the fact that it does work quite well. So cognitive behavioral therapy is a tested and proven form of psychotherapy that's been used for quite some time in the treatment of behavioral health issues. And I just read an article on millennials and it's called millennials are the therapy generation because it's just so normal to them. And then you go below that. And then, you know, ironically, the one addiction that we can't help with is internet media because we actually need a smartphone to make things work. So anything else, you know, it, it will help and it'll be useful. But yeah, the results are very, very promising initially. And once again, it was based on cognitive behavioral therapy principles as dictated by leading doctors and psychologists managing chief medical officers at mental health facilities in four different countries. So we feel pretty confident that what we're building is super solid and uh, it's absolutely unique because we started with the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you start with the hard stuff, it's easy to go to the easy stuff. Yes. And that's kind of the way we built it. So there, you won't find anything out there well, I'll tell you what you will find. If you look on the app store for addiction, you'll find a lot of um, community type things where mm -hmm. people talk to each other about their bad experiences. And that's all very valuable. You know, you'll find, well, that's what I would consider a self-help group. Let's, let's, let's communicate with each other over social media. But we've taken that one step further. So we don't do the community thing, not because we don't value it, but we have a different concept of how it can work. We have what we call the inner circle. And that's not in the current app, but it will be in the next release. And it's, we say, this is not your Facebook friend. So you can pick up to five people. If you've gone through therapy, there'll be people that you've known, that you've cried with, that you've had a serious emotional interchange with, or people that you can trust. And they're surrounding a red dot in the middle 
which is one that will connect you to your national suicide hotline. Mm -hmm. And we built the technology so that it can be, you know, used in any country in the world fairly quickly and easily. So that's our concept of that. So we differ from all of the other apps except for one. And the one that we don't differ from, and that, well, we do still because we have all this holistic approach, but they focus on substance use disorders specifically. And you need a prescription from a doctor to get it. And you can only get a prescription after you've successfully completed therapy. And then it's good for six months. So that means over 90% of the people that could use that don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the realm of digital therapeutics, but it's a prescription digital therapeutic. So it provides great value to those that go through therapy and get it, provides no value to the 90% that need help and don't get it. Interesting. Well, uh, thank goodness for you guys then, because I think a lot of people that are out there won't be able to get it through prescription or don't have access or understanding of what is available to them to even ask for it. I would think that getting the word out and, and hopefully, you know, being on podcasts and and getting more visibility that way, uh, many other ways, obviously through providers as well. You know, just letting people know that there are tools like yours is incredible. I mean, just being able to, because you're not just looking at building a network or you're not just looking at finding ways to meditate, but also actually ways to solve some of the issues that people are suffering from. I think it's incredibly powerful. Just, you know, kudos to you guys. I, I really appreciate what you're doing and, and honor and respect it. And I uh, hope that the word gets out big because it's so needed. One thing you did touch on that I think is really interesting and wonder if you've experienced a little bit of this. You mentioned that you were connected to suicide hotlines, for example, around the world. What's the difference in the culture around sort of you know, treatment or mental health? Have you seen a big disparity? Obviously, you know, you, the work that your, your team was doing started outside of the U.S. and then you brought it back here. Have you seen a big disparity in the way mental health issues are perceived or the way that they are treated in the different cultures that you've worked in? Absolutely. Big differences. Mm -hmm. So there are some countries that recognize a problem and they try to deal with it, but they don't have the financial wherewithal. There are some places, let's just take, let's break it down to a city level like Seattle. Mm -hmm. There is a big homeless problem here, just like every semi-large city in the world. And it's a lot better here than in many places. But there are so many organizations trying to combat this, but they're not uniting forces and they don't have the big business acumen to make it work. So there are a lot of initiatives going on and we try to seek them out very meticulously to find the ones that we support. But culturally, huge differences. So Japan has a massive problem with depression. Does anyone talk about it? Of course not. So this is a perfect solution for over there. Rio has a huge problem in, or let's say Brazil, a huge problem in general with uh, substance use disorders and associated behavioral health issues. And they're very aware of it. And they're focusing their attention on it. And then if we go to European countries, Spain understands that there are issues there. They're dealing with it. And, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere and go from there. But of course, cultural differences are, are huge. And we've taken that into account. So I just moved back to the United States after living 40 years plus overseas and mainly Germany, Australia, New Zealand. But I've uh, traveled quite a bit and my co-founder lived in Japan for many years. So we, we understand the difference and we built the platform so that we could adapt not only to the language, but to the culture 
quite quickly and quite easily. So the imagery that you portray on a screen, it's very different in how it's perceived from culture to culture. So we, we've kind of dealt with that, but that, that was a long rambling answer to a very short question. But yes, there are vast cultural differences about how the issues are perceived and dealt with. Absolutely. No, it wasn't a long rambling. Actually, we could go on for a long time. It's actually a very wide question. This was one of the questions I had when we first talked about this. For example, the sleep or, you know, doing the, the delta waves or the theta, like in environments that are stressful, you would think, okay, well, you can just pump this through there in schools or whatever. But you had mentioned to me before that it's really more effective if you're wearing a headset. Can you talk a little bit about why can't you just pump this music everywhere and everyone's going to be happy and, and balanced? Sure. And I'll just kind of, let's say, fine tune your statement. It's, it's not better if you use a headset, it's mandatory. Because we put a very different frequency in each ear. Mm -hmm. And unless you have that different chill between the frequencies, your brain is not going to be able to create that binaural beat. The binaural beat is created by your brain and your brain alone right in the middle of those frequency deltas. And that's why you need headsets. So as interesting as it sounds, you know, the, you heard the final version. It sounded very melodic and relaxing. That was gamma, by the way. You would not get the effect in a room full of people. Now, there is a, uh, so we have the subliminal affirmations on, on top. Subliminal affirmations are impossible to measure electronically. So with, we, we test everything with EEGs. Mm-hmm. So we know we can induce a brain state in two and a half minutes. And um, they're portable EEGs. They look like a pair of sunglasses on, the, on your forehead. <laughs> if the clouds come out and the sun goes down. So we know that they work. And there's also a wide body of evidence that talks about how good binaural beats are for many things. Like even... No, I don't think we've talked about this, but if you find a lump on your body and you have to go to a hospital and they put you through a battery of tests, as soon as they say, well, we're going to start running some tests, you feel anxiety. And binaural beats have been proven to reduce anxiety in preoperative patients by up to 36%. So there are a lot of uses for binaural beats, but what's impossible to measure, like I said, is the effectiveness of the subliminal affirmations. Now, I don't want to date myself, but for those of you that remember back in the 60s, early 70s, there was a thing that turned out to be a hoax, actually, but where they would flash like Coke signs and drive-in movie theaters and popcorn signs, like buy more popcorn, buy more Coke. And everyone thought, oh my gosh, we're being brainwashed. But mm-hmm. that didn't turn out to be real. But we're still looking for ways to scientifically validate the effectiveness of it. What we have learned is that the placebo effect is quite high as well. So that's what our objectivity, our scientists are focusing on now is understanding the difference between the placebo effect and the scientific effect and finding ways to measure that in a way that creates a solid objective body of work that we can take forth into the world. So that's a, an ongoing work in progress, but now that was a long rambling answer, <laughs> but you do need headsets. <laughs> well, but that's, you know, that's what we're on a podcast for to give you time to give the answer. No, because I think it's fascinating. And, and I think actually for some people that may be, you know, sort of make them feel a little bit better about it, because I mean, I'm of that generation that I remember when they talked about, you know, the, the fact that they were going to be brainwashing us because they were flashing things. And so the concern when you hear about that language saying that, oh, you know, we can pipe music or sounds into your head and make you think certain things can be scary for people if they don't understand the intention and the outcome and sort of what, that it's in a controlled environment and that it's, you know, designed to improve your health rather than to sell you a bunch of junk that you don't need. 
So it's, you know, it's all a question. There's a very large level of trust that needs to be gained before you let somebody into your head is really what it comes down to. So I think it's important Absolutely. to understand what that is and uh, who's who's designing it and why. So sure. you don't worry can, about the nutty professor getting into your head. I, I could talk about that for just a minute. Sure. So it was designed by psychologists and neuroscientists. And when you go into the binaural beat section of the app, there is a, thing, a tab that says learn more. Mm-hmm. And that will take you to a place where you can see exactly what we're putting in there. And I'm going to give you an example of what I played earlier. Mm -hmm. What's going on subliminally is I am cool, calm, and collected. I am living at peace. I am happy. I love myself deeply and unconditionally. I look forward to my future with hope and happiness. I am positive, and my mind is filled with happy thoughts. Life is wonderful. Anyway, you get the point. So there are 20 affirmations like that in each one of the conditions that we, we deal with. And what we try to deal with with these affirmations, anxiety, Stress, depression, addiction, eating, smoking, which is a form of addiction, and then suicidal ideation, which we call happiness. Mm. So those are the seven conditions that you'll get free with the app that you can plug in the list of the free binaural beats anytime you want to. Great. Well, I think, and just to remind everybody, if you could say the website name or the app name again, so people can find it, because I highly recommend it for all of you to just download it and play with it and sort of get your experience with it and give them feedback. If you've had a, you know, if you've had a good experience with it or even a bad one, and you want to explain, want to understand more, the best way for these tools to get out there and get used and to benefit the people that really need them is for us to try them and be ambassadors for them. So can you just remind everybody how they find more information about Enlight? Sure. So the first one is a bit tricky. You can go to our website. It's spelled E-N-L-Y-T-E. And then it's dot bot because we use machine learning and it's not dot com. So enlight.bot, E-N-L-Y-T-E dot bot. And the second is if you go to your app store and just type in E-N-L-Y-T-E, we'll be right at the top. Don't Google it. Go to your app store and you'll be able to download it free of charge. And like I said, one of the core fundamentals, we provide something of significant value free of charge for anyone that feels like they need it. Awesome. And if people are curious, I would imagine on your website, people can get more information about the research and everything else that's behind it if they're curious about learning more. Where do you see this going? And is there a place where we can sort of really make the most of this and and help you guys to actually be advocates to get this out more. Absolutely. And there's going to be an article published next week in a prominent magazine that talks about digital therapeutics and the field of mental health and why it's all the rage and where it's the place to be, you know, for this year, the next five to 10 years, because the world is changing. Mm -hmm. And this is the easiest way to get to people that need it. People are afraid. I mean, if you've got an addiction problem, you're going to lie. Your family is going to suffer because they're not, they're going to know the difference. They're going to see it, but you're going to continue lying. You may steal from your parents. You may steal from your kids, depending on how old you are, but you're going to get that source of addiction no matter what. So we help people kind of get around that. And by the way, there's a book I can recommend that just came out by one of the treatment facilities that we're going to begin working with. And the treatment facility is Recovery Unplugged. They use music therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're right. a rocker, they've got an ex-Aerosmith guitar player that's the head of the creative department. Yeah, and group. the national outreach director's name is Blake Cohen. And he just wrote a book that you can get on Amazon, and it's called I Love You More. And it's beautiful because it's not the typical addiction book that's based on 
the woes of society, how big pharma sucks, anything like that. It's, it's three fictional stories about how addiction impacts those around them. So it's really designed for the loved ones that are dealing with someone that has a substance use disorder. I've never seen a book like it. It's mm-hmm. very powerful and one of a kind. So that's another resource to go to for, for dealing with these issues. Great recommendation. Uh, having been a, you know, an Al-Anon person for many years in my life, I think it, it's important to remember that the, those people need support too. So I, th- I think that's, that's great. I, I'll have to check out that book myself. You know what? It has been such a treat having you on today's show. And uh, for those of you listening, thank you for joining us. And uh, don't worry, we've got all of the links and everything. If you're driving and you didn't catch that, We'll make sure that you can find it on the show notes. Don, it has been such an honor to have you here today and sharing your work with Enlight. And thank you for sharing it with the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. Heidi. It's been a great pleasure. And I really, really appreciate you inviting me onto your show. My pleasure. And for those of you joining us today, thank you for taking the time to join us and for listening in. And if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you sign up so that you can catch any of the great upcoming episodes and share with your friends so we can grow the audience and learn more about all the cool things that are happening in the space of digital well-being. And that's all for today's show. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes. 